Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you get to ask the questions and we give the answers about all things investing and trading. Now, over the past month in world markets, it has been had many investors feeling like they're sitting on a roller coaster with white knuckles showing as they hang on hard waiting for the ride to end. Now, experienced investors and traders, on the other hand, are getting more and more excited. But we'll get into that in a little while as we share with you tonight about why you need to get excited about the market rather than be fearful of it. Importantly, we will look at someone's actual portfolio and expert opinion and a whole lot more. So sit back, relax and get ready to hang on to your seat for yet another great Australian stock market show. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now, some people have asked me, what, I mean, what do I mean when I say we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators? Well, quite simply, we're the only stock market educator that has their own Australian Financial Services license and is also a government registered training organisation along with an accredited course. We're also a fund manager as well. Now, our course is also on the ASIC training register and is approved by the Financial Planning Association, all of which that I've just said or just mentioned are very hard to get and even harder to keep. In short, the government and industry are doing all the hard work for you to ensure you are dealing with an organisation that not only has great products and great services, but a company that you can trust. So if you wish to know more, then give us a call and chat with our experienced education team. Now let's have a little chat about the market feeling like it is a roller coaster. Now, I do not know about you, but when I went to Disneyland a few years back, it was not the Ferris wheel or the merry-go-round that I was interested in trying out. What I made it my purpose to ride was the roller coaster and did so for several times. Now, why did I not go for the merry-go-round? Well, quite simply, they just go round and quite frankly, it's very safe and very boring. You only have to watch the faces of the adults coming off the Ferris wheel or the merry-go-round and you'll see not much excitement or fun having having there. But stand outside the exit to the roller coaster and you'll see a lot of noise, excitement, smiling faces and people running to get back on that roller coaster. Sure, you're going to hear a lot of people scream in terror, but that quickly turns to laughter, then back to terror and everyone has a wonderful time. So why is that? Well, that's life. You feel more alive on the roller coaster because you feel like you're taking risks and you're out of your comfort zone. Life's too short to play it safe in your comfort zone all of the time and taking smart risk is the way to get where you want. 
So how does this relate to the stock market? Well, quite simply, most play it safe. Very safe. In fact, far too safe. Most investors will stay in their comfort zone, so much so that they miss many of the opportunities that are flying past their face every single day. Then they wonder why they're not getting to where they desire, and like the merry-go-round, they just keep spinning at a very slow pace, wondering why everything is the same. When the stock market is exciting as it is right now, those with the knowledge and experience make far more money than those who are playing it very safe and sitting on that boring merry-go-round. Now it's times like these where the big money is made easily and safely, if you dare take the risk and get on the ride. So let me ask you, do you want to stay on that merry-go-round in your comfort zone so you keep getting what you've always had? Or are you ready to get some excitement into your life and make a decision to take more risks so you get what you want? We are Australia's most trusted stock market educators for some very good reasons. We also love it when the market is like it is now, and this not only keeps us on our toes, it's also where we make more money for our clients. Anyone can ride the bullish merry-go-round in the market. It's only those who dare that can profit when things are a little bit scary. So come on and join us on the ride. Yeah, it's a little scary at times, but it's a whole lot of fun and very profitable. Now again tonight, I need you to put your questions into the chat box and for you to give me a detailed question. If it's about a stock, then tell me what you think, why you're looking at it, do you own it or not, along with anything else that you can think of. And like last week, if you follow this process, you're going to get priority by me. Now now we have that settled, it's the last Tuesday in the month and that means first up tonight we're going to look at world currency markets and as normal earlier today I recorded my thoughts. So whilst you watch the video I'll get into the chat and look at your questions and stocks and when I come back I'll be ready to look at everything for you later in the show. So let's get to the video and I'll see you again back here in a few minutes. I love the fourth week of the month because I get to look at the um, world currencies and actually get stuck into those and have a bit of a chat with you about it. And uh, if you're traveling, this is a place where you need to have a good listen to uh, in terms of what currencies are doing, what against the Australian dollar. Now, obviously, it's quite popular or quite well known what the Australian dollar is against the US dollar because that's often in the morning TV channels that we see, they go, hey, the Aussie dollar's done this against the US dollar. We do get a little bit of that on the euro as well, but not too many other currencies. So let's get stuck into having a bit of a look at our Aussie dollar against some of the world currencies here. So on the screen at the moment, I've got a, a big watch list. There's like over 100 currencies in there compared to the Aussie dollar. And you can see them listed down there. There's just bucket loads of them. Um, and you can see over the last month, and this is a one month watch list, you can see here against the Venezuelan Bolivar, um, it uh, was up 65.93%. That's probably exciting uh, if you're Australian and you're going to Venezuela. But uh, looking down here, we see the Indian rupee, Mexican peso. But the ones we really want to look at is obviously the New Zealand dollar up 1.65% against the New Zealand dollar. Here's the Chinese rem min min bi. I can hardly say that. The yuan up 2.82%. And we keep going down here. Sri Lanka, Malaysian ringgit, just around 1%. But uh, you can, can't even see the US dollar in here, can you? But looking at the other end of the scale, you can see here, um, Bitcoin, it's up against the Bitcoin. Here's the Japanese yen, uh, so down 3.46. But 
Over here, I've just got a, a relative rotation graph just using the currencies as well. Now, I'm going to look at the charts for the currencies in a second and having a really good look at them. You can see the New Zealand dollar is way out here on its own. Um, and this is compared to the Australian All Ordinaries Index. But really what it's telling us is at the moment, our currency is a little bit weak. Uh, and obviously, because our market uh, has... Uh, or our Australian uh, commodities really run our Australian dollar. If commodities are going strong, our Australian dollar is going strong, but then that gets affected by interest rates here in Australia. So what I've got here is a chart of the uh, Australian dollar versus the US dollar, and you can see here how it's come down into this low. Now, here's my arrow, and I'm expecting our Australian dollar to now go a bit lower because here's the current month in August, and currently it uh, dropped down to close a little bit further to go. Now, this um, line, graph here this is actually Fortescue now I do this a lot with Fortescue BHP Rio because obviously the Aussie dollar really does affect them but at this point in time um, it's good news if you're making money in America but it's not good if you're going to America and you want to exchange Australian dollars over there because I can only see a bit more downside on our market that said I think our dollar won't go down too much below the sort of 60 cents I don't think there's too much more into it um, but at this stage I do think it's it, it is actually going down let's now look at at the Australian dollar versus the Chinese yuan and again I think we're now moving a bit stronger against the yuan I mean obviously the better China does uh, the better Australian does and obviously they're more the buying off us the better um, from that point of view so at this point in time it does look good sitting the EU and you can see here right now that uh, we're currently sitting at uh, one Australian dollar equals 55 pence um, from that point of view but it is looking a little bit better but uh, it doesn't really get too much over about that 60 pence over there so but right now it is looking good for um, UK pounds Hong Kong dollars another one if you're going to Hong Kong it's looking it's looking our market or our dollars looking a bit sick against our home with Hong Kong let's move down to the Singapore dollar same sort of story there as you can see there our dollar just keeps falling away against these Asian currencies at the moment and we're now down to 94 cents Singapore now you know that's uh, as you can if you've ever traveled to Singapore it used to be cheap for us to buy goods and services there but it's not um, at the moment uh, and let's go to the euro and have a quick look at the euro and again we've gone a bit of a slide on the euro now we're down to um, closing at 61 euro or not 61 cents I'm not sure uh, if that's how they talk about it with euro 61 or 0.61 of a euro um, looking down there but as I said, we've been traveling down since August 2012 but I don't think it's going to travel much further on into that euro so if you're traveling over to Europe um, I don't think you're going to be seeing too much more of our Aussie dollar dropping uh, at this stage but it is interesting to really do look at the currencies um, as when, what's more important for us is that Chinese yuan and the US dollar, obviously, because we do sell a lot of goods into China um, and we are a very big trading partner with China, as we are with lots of other parts of Asia, but mainly China. So our fortunes do rely on that if they're looking at our commodities and buying things from us that will support our dollar. That's why I don't think our dollar is going to side too much more. But uh, the US dollar is stronger against our currencies. And I do expect that to go on for another couple of years where uh, our dollar is not going to get great uh, strength against the US dollar. So if you are going to travel to the US anytime soon or you're selling or buying from the US or you're in US dollars, there's no new, no good news on the horizon. But that's it for me for the my take on currencies. Let's get back to the show. 
Welcome back. I um, hope you enjoyed my take or my brief take or and high level take actually on the Aussie dollar versus some of the major um, international currencies. And as I said, I like to look at them um, every now and again, at least once a month, have a bit of a look at them just to see what's going on because the Aussie dollar really does affect some stocks. And as I mentioned in the recording, you know, we do often, often overlay BHP. Rio Fortescue, some of those big exporters, um, onto the Aussie dollar or the Aussie dollar on top of their charts to see how it's affecting their stock price. And I go, I did that uh, probably only a week or two ago with our students. I do a live online forum for an hour with our students, or advanced students, and with our normal diploma students every single month. And I spent quite a bit of time actually overlaying um, the Aussie dollar onto various charts and showing them how it's affecting uh, or cause the cause and effect from of the Aussie dollar um, onto different stocks. Because what I find a lot of people do is they spend a lot of time chasing the market everywhere else. And so they think, you know, there's 500 stocks on the All Orders Index, so they've got to chase the whole lot. Whereas what we teach people is to really narrow down their focus. Now, I know if, if I was sitting there with you and I, I had, I said to you, pick which hand you want left or right, um, because there's a surprise in one of my hands, you'd be able to pick it pretty quickly. Um, whether you got it right or wrong is not relevant. But if I stood there and I said, okay, there's a hundred different jars, pick one of those, and you're going to get a surprise, then the choice becomes even more difficult or a lot more difficult. The more choice means the more confusion, the more bias, uh, the more um, the buyer or the person making the choice can say, well, what if I don't do this? If I do this and I miss out, what happens here? So you get a lot of these behavioral techniques or this psychology that comes into it that really holds a lot of people back. And, and I get people saying to me, oh, I'm buying stocks in the US because I've got bigger choice. Um, but I don't want more choice as a trader. I want less choice. And that's really what about being efficient and being targeted into what uh, what stocks that you should be looking at for your portfolio. And we're going to look at that a little bit later in the um, in my report when I talk about looking at somebody's portfolio. So, But now's the time to get into a couple of emails that I've received over the past few days. Thanks. And thanks to everybody that sent them in. So thanks for taking the time to type out your thoughts and, and really give me some great emails. Some, some of them I actually actually don't show on the show. I actually answer personally for those people. Others I put onto the show, um, like this one from Peter. He says, howdy, Dale. Thanks for your show. Has there ever been a time in history where a political leader has had such an impact on world share markets? Now, um, it, he says, I'm new to the share market and I seem to find it um, hard at the moment to predict with any surety of what the market is going to do next. And he puts in brackets, I guess I'm not alone here. Also, when the market drops dramatically, who is doing all the selling? Now, I assume that the big money in super funds is not being traded. Uh, most financial advisors advise not to sell and ride out any ups and downs. So who is actually selling? Surely not just small investors like myself who don't really know what they're doing. Um, your advice of setting stop losses certainly makes a lot of sense to me instead of just holding on to something that keeps going down. Against the advice, I've taken a small profit and cashed out most of my portfolio so I can sleep easy for now and get back into the market when it settles and hopefully I haven't done the wrong thing. You've done the right thing perfectly. If you're worried about it, I always say to people, it's not about whether you're making money or, or losing money. If you're not sleeping, then you're better off not being in it. And I've said that, uh, you know, there's an old saying, if, the, the, if, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. And uh, that really sort of rings true here. A lot of people buy stocks or get into the market. And when the market is volatile like it is now, they do get 
nervous, they can't sleep and they're stressed. So you're better off sleeping, being less stressed and staying out of the market and putting it into cash. But um, look, you know, in terms of Trump and what he's doing, he's tweeting. I think there's an ulterior motive with Trump. Um, and that's really, he's obviously doing something. He would know that he was moved the market when he's putting out some of his tweets. Um, he may be looking after his friends um, in high places, helping them make money. I don't know. And that's only just speculation and conjecture. But at the end of the day, we've got to get used to this. It, and it's not just Trump that can move the market. It can be anybody. It can be anybody putting out a story. It could be the media. It could be a hedge fund who wants a stock to move. It could be any big player. They put out news all of the time. So yes, Trump's a lot more higher profile. And so when he puts out a tweet about the US-China trade, well, how can you put that out on Friday? And then a day or two later after the weekend, you come out and say, yeah, we're gonna, I'm open to having talks with China and everything's gonna be fine, basically. So really, um, he knows what he's doing. Um, but to me, it really is about f divorcing yourself from a lot of that and really getting back to what can you do? And this is what I say to people. Often people get stressed and they get, um, looking at different things and they go, and they feel like they're out of control. So I keep saying to them, just keep taking a step back till you feel like you're in control. It's pretty simple. So all you do is you say, well, if I'm not really in control, I don't know what's going on, just pull back on your portfolio and pull back on watching all the news and media because you really don't need to worry about that. All you need to worry about is the stocks that are in your portfolio. If you've got five stocks, worry about those. If you've got 10, worry about those. Don't worry about what Trump's doing. Don't worry about the whole market's doing. Just focus on your stocks. Your two to 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever, how many stocks you've got, just focus on them. Then all you do is look at the stop loss, which is what you did talk about in your email to me. If you have a stop loss on it and say, and you put a stop loss or a line in the sand where you're happy that if it falls away, that you're happy to take the exit, and then you calculate that into dollar terms like I've talked about over the last few weeks is really quantify everything. And you go, yeah, I'm happy if all my stocks fall to these points, I'm only gonna lose this much money. And therefore you can sleep at night because you know you've got a line in the sand if something happens. If they keep going up, you don't have a problem. If they go down, you get out. It's pretty simple. So that's what I mean by just pulling back to what you can control because all you can control in the market is when you get in and when you get out. Everything else is up to the market. So um, just have an easy life, but a great question. Really, really good question. So right now, don't stress too much about all the news. Who's buying and selling And when the market's falling? It is the big end of town. Don't be mistaken. It's the big end of town. They're pushing the market around and they're using the news. They're using the Trump factor. They're using the reporting season to make lots of money. Remember the big end of town trade to go up and they trade to go down. They're in... When you mention the big super funds and the big managed funds, what they do or what people don't understand what they do is the money or the stocks that they're buying for you in your managed fund that they say they're buying, they actually lend them to somebody else quite regularly for them to short sell on the marketplace. And so they do what they call securities lending. They lend their securities out. And there's a whole lot of ways they make money on the marketplace. Um, from your money basically and that's why they can charge their fees and there's a lot of fees at the big end of town you never find out about and they, they're just hidden between the lines so to speak and I did mention some I think a few weeks ago when the, the bid the um, buying when you're buying units and you're selling units in your managed fund there's a difference between those two prices why that's how they make money if they're buying if you're buying at a higher price and selling it and they're selling it back to you at a lower price on the same day that's where they make money and so they will skin 
the the rabbit, so to speak, in many many different ways. So just, um, but there's always somebody buying and selling on the market. Even in the GFC, people are buying and selling. So um, again, just worry about your stocks. The next email I have is from Matthew, who says, "Hi Dale, thank you so much for putting your time and effort into the show. It's very valuable to me. So thanks, buddy. I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it." He said, "I'd like to ask how insider selling affects your position on a stock, if any. For example, one of my holdings in Kogan had." Two of their directors sell a parcel of their shares recently. Should I be concerned? Thanks. Um, the answer is absolutely positively not. Don't worry about it. The stock, the chart will tell you what it's doing, whether it's going up or down. Directors buy and sell their stocks all the time, and, and that happens. And they may sell, if they're exiting their whole position, if they're, let's say if Russell Kogan sold all of his shares, you'd probably be a little bit concerned about that, but nothing major. The stock, the price on the chart will tell you what's going on. If it's going up, it's going up. If it's going down, it's going down. Remember, directors get paid you know, on performance as well, and so do their managing directors. Um, and their, their head uh, managers, they get quite often will get shares, and they get paid on that, their bonuses and everything else. So they do sell them sometimes. So I wouldn't get too concerned with that. Just stick with the charts. Um, but now I think it's time that we have a look at the chat forum uh, and then get into some stocks that everyone's asked me to look at tonight. So let me have a look at the chat forum. I'll put my glasses on and hopefully you've been busy typing um, everything out there. But uh, we've got... Um, uh, oh, okay, we got one from Tim Smith. Uh, he says, I don't watch your thoughts on NAN after its impressive rise today. Um, has fantastic long-term potential. So let's have a quick look at um, NAN. I'll bring that up on the charts. Looking at the charts here, I can see with NAN, you can see how vertical it was, but this is the bar that we're talking about here in on the 30th of August. So if we go to here, you can see this big, big, big jump here on the chart. And if I go to this point here, and I put from yesterday, so that's Tuesday, and it jumped up, and at one stage it was up 36.51%, and uh, it closed at 32.48%. So um, he's saying fantastic long-term potential, but that's fine, it might have that, but right now I wouldn't be jumping into it. Um, that's my take on it straight away. I wouldn't be jumping right into this appointed time. I do think it might, you might find it will fill that gap. Often stocks will fill the gaps. But looking at this, you're seeing the amount of shares in there, 6.4 million shares. Now, let me put the volume on this and we'll have a bit of a look. Look at the massive volume on that compared to normal. Uh, normal, we're sort of talking around 748,000. Um, 680, 830, you know, 575. So huge, huge volumes and I didn't see whatever the report was or whatever came out to see it jump that much but I would suggest it's jumped very very fast uh, and you'll start seeing it come back a little bit possibly back into as I said close out this but one of the things I always talk about and, and you'll hear me talk about a lot um, especially um, when I'm seeing stocks like this is I put trend lines on them I use my trend line tool and I start going okay so what are the angles of the trend so we can see an angle of that trend um, going through there. Let me turn my lock off because it's annoying me. Um, and then you see that it moves up on a bit more steeper angle. And then you see it start to move up on an even steeper angle. And then it's this is like a gaining momentum and now you're getting a much deeper angle. So you've heard me talk about that. So we've got one, two, three, four. Once you get the fourth one, the end is coming. Because uh, if you do get five, that's the last one. You won't pivot a fifth time on that angle, on the momentum. So fourth tells me it's starting to run out of speed or this momentum or this fast uh, momentum of the market 
won't be able to be sustained. That's really what I'm saying because it'll run out of buyers because people would have looked at this stock. Um, let's go back to the weekly chart. They would have looked at this stock yesterday and go, well, it was $4.90 and now it's sitting on $6.50. Well, it's a bit too expensive now, isn't it? It's really, you've missed the boat. It's up 32%. I could have bought it 30% cheaper yesterday. So that's really what I'd be looking at there in terms of that and saying, well, it's not really something you should be looking at um, in, uh, for your portfolio right now. I don't know why you think it's long-term bullish, but hey, that's okay. That's from that point of view. Um, but the next stock I've got was from, let's me look at it. Uh, um, actually, that's a really good question. S. Anthony, he said, hi, Dar, love the show. I'd be I'm a, I should be, should I be concerned about index tracking ETFs? Um, I hold has not been tracking, or the ETF I hold has not been tracking index for months and is moving further away. That's really what you get with index tracking. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say it really, really bluntly. If you buy index ETFs, then you're not doing yourself the favors that you think you are. And a lot of people think by buying an ETF, they're diversifying their risk. All you're doing is de-worsifying de your portfolio. And what I mean by that is you're going to get a less return. Index tracking ETFs rarely would beat the index it's trying to track because there are fees in that. And don't think because you can buy and sell it on exchange, there is no fees in an ETF. Of course there are. Who's managing the ETF? And are they doing it for free? Mm -mm. They're getting paid and that's coming out of the ETF and they have to keep um, taking money out of that ETF to fund their management of the stocks that the ETF is supposed to track. There's a lots of cost in running an ETF. It's just another way for them to make money. So it, you'll find that if you bought the top 10 stock, let's say you've got the ETF on the top 100. Uh, if you bought the top 10 stocks in the Australian stock market and held it for the same amount of time, you'd make more money owning the stocks than you would owning the ETF. And you'll see in downward times like this where the market's going down because those ETFs are in theory buy and hold, as the market's going down, the ETF's going down, but if you own um, good quality shares, you have exit strategies. So you might be exiting here, the stock keeps falling down or the stocks keep falling down, um, and then you buy back in lower and then go back up again, whereas the ETF will take the whole fall. That's why you're getting that difficulty right now. Uh, and please, just buy my book. It'll show you how to beat the ETFs all of the time. I'm only fans of ETFs in terms of specialty ones that are in industries or areas that are very unfamiliar, like maybe um, nanotechnology, that sort of stuff, or um, could be artificial intelligence or something that is a bit weird and not necessarily weird, but a little bit out there, a little bit different that you need to be a little bit more expertise about. But anything that tracks an index, forget about it. You'll do better yourself with direct investing. But it was a great question, mate. Really, really good question. Um, we've got one from Fluke. He says, hi guys, I'm looking to buy a recently listed stock PBH, um, and he's, which, un which fundamentally I think will do great long term. How do you find entry points on stocks with very little price action? I picked this one out because I did like, because he's talking about a, a, um, a float, a company float. So we're going to have a look at PBH. I'll bring that up on the screen now, PBH, so you can have a bit of a look at it. So you can see PBH floated back here in June and it, and it came onto the market at $2.20. I don't know what price people paid for it off the prospectus, but I call floats high risk investing and it really is, and they really are high risk investing in terms of floats. And, and I really hope you understand what I'm getting at. When a company floats, it does so for a couple of reasons. Sometimes it's to raise capital so that they can go out with that capital and to buy or take on or expand or pay for their research or you know in, 
in, they keep it within the company to build up the company. That's one of the reasons. Another reason is for the original owners of that company to start taking their equity out. So they may want to take, for example, if I floated our company, um, it could be that I say, okay, look, let's say the company's worth $100 million and I go, okay, I want, it to, I want $50 million. So I float the whole company, take $50 million, leave $50 million in the company because then hopefully it will continue to grow and then I'll make even more money. And that's really what it's about. So there's two reasons. They want to grow the company or the owners want to start, or the original owners want to take some money out of it. Um, neither one's a bad thing. It's just what it is. But what you've got to worry about with floats is, they come with a prospectus. Now, if I was to float my company, I'd be talking to a stockbroking firm to underwrite the float, which means they guarantee the, st the market will float the shares. So they're gonna take on some of that risk. They charge a lot of money to do it. So, and what they do is they'll get the prospectus done and that gets lodged with ASIC and there's a nice prospectus with nice color pictures in it and all these nice fancy things telling you how nice the company is. And it's written by the marketing team to get you excited about it. So you buy the stocks off that prospectus. The broker's job is to promote that to everybody, regardless of what they think of the stock, they've taken on that obligation to float that company. So often you'll see company floats are very heavily pushed to retail investors who don't necessarily read between the lines. And there's some interesting floats that have happened over the last few years that I've been against um, people buying it. One was Coles. Uh, when that came out, people were saying, what about Coles? What about Meyer was another one. Uh, sorry, Meyer, sorry, not Coles, but Meyer was the one that uh, I was talking about and people saying, should I buy Meyer? And I go, no. And they go, Meyer's a good company. I said, yes, it is, but the float's not good. And Meyer just kept falling away because the prospectus didn't really excite me. Another one was um, McGrath Real Estate, people wanting to buy that because John McGrath is quite well known and it's a good real estate agency. But looking at the prospectus, reading between the lines, I go, this is not a good float. The big end of town didn't want it, so therefore the brokers were pushing it to retail investors. If the big end of town don't want a float, you don't want to be in it either. So that's why I treat floats as high risk. Now looking at this particular stock, I didn't look at the prospectus, so I can't really tell you, but having a look at the share, everything I teach as far as my course is concerned, you can use into intraday to trade. So let's go and put some volume on it and have a bit of a look at it. And let's go down into the daily chart and have a look at this. So looking at this currently, there was 115,000. Looking at 115,000 shares at $3 is about half a million dollars in a day in terms of trading volume. And that's a low liquid stock. So straight away, that comes off my list as a stock I don't want because it's not liquid, it's not highly liquid. It's a lot more speculative and that's a big day. If we go back to this day, it's 136,000. If we go to there, it's 148,000. So it's not highly liquid um, in terms of where we need it to be. I'd be looking at a much more liquid stock. So that straight away takes it off the list, as I said earlier. But has it given me any type of um, reason to own that stock? And the answer is absolutely not. It hasn't given me any reason um, from that, uh, uh, at this point in time, it's not falling away, but it's not rising. So I would treat this as pure speculation. Um, and with that pure speculation, I would suggest uh, that uh, you know you really um, be careful with it, only put a little bit of money on it. So that's really what I'm talking about at this point in time. Um, let's look at one more question before we go into them. Really, really good questions. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Um, Here's another one from James Neville. He says, um, he's talking about his starting to build his portfolio. We might have a look at some of those stocks in a minute. Um, but he says, also when reporting season's on, do you wait to see what the results are before making a purchase decision, even if the company's nicely following the trend? I, 
I never wait for the market to tell me what's going on in terms of reporting season because um, when they put out reports whilst it's supposed to be the news to the market so it's transparent, the big end of town already know pretty much what's going to happen with high degree of accuracy. They may not be 100% accurate, but they're pretty close to what's going on because it's their job to understand this sort of stuff. So as an investor or trader, you don't need to worry about that. Just look at the charts and follow the rules on a chart. So you're buying and selling rules and your triggers from all of that. So uh, that's really what you need to be doing in, in terms of making sure you're looking after yourself and making sure you're looking after your portfolio. But a really, really good question there uh, from you, James. And I might come back and look at a couple of those um, stocks for well, those stocks in your portfolio. And um, I'm just going to go here for the this week's topic. Now I'm going to try and bring up. This give me two seconds. I'm going to try and bring up my spreadsheet here, so or the spreadsheet of the portfolio I was going to look at. So bear with me a couple of seconds while I do that. It wouldn't open for me before, and the guys have been trying to help me out to find it. And where is it? Um, let me have a look at it. Let me, okay, there it is. Let me see if I can get it open and cross my fingers and hopefully that opens and it's spinning. Um, always have some technical problems, don't we? But uh, but the topic for tonight's show, last week, um, you remember we that I offered to review a portfolio for somebody who subscribes to this channel. Um, and many of you took the opportunity to respond to me in the running, um, to be in the running for that. So thank you for those who did and it uh, didn't open up so um, something's going on with the, the portfolio, but that's okay. I can keep moving on with other things. But looking at everyone's portfolio was real eye-open in terms of what people do and how they do it. And it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to review the portfolio tonight, but, uh, but that's okay. I can put that in for next week um, from that point of view. But, uh, but as I said, I was going to look at one of those portfolios tonight. But before I do, I just wanted to chat a little bit about portfolio construction. So it's still quite relative. And if my guys get it up, I'll bring the portfolio up a little bit later in the show but when it does come to portfolio construction in my opinion there's very little to no education out there that really helps individual investors or traders because most of the information comes from the big end of town and what they do or what and what you do are vastly different so for example if you had 100 million dollars to invest in one stock and this stock only had average trading volume at around $10 million a week, what would you do? So you got one stock, $100 million, it trades at $10 million a week. What do you do? Because if you take all of the trading on that stock, it's going to take you 10 weeks to get your position sizing. So this is what I'm talking about. But if you had $10,000 to invest in that same stock, what would you do? And what would be different to what you would have done if you're investing $100 million? That's the question. Because remember the big end of town, they've got $100 million all the time. A lot of the super funds are in trillions of dollars. So 10, 20, 40, 50, $100 million is not a lot of money to the big end of town. And how they construct a portfolio is obviously going to be done differently to you because they can't do what you do. They really are something that is more, you're much more nimble, you can move in and out of it. But obviously the answer is yes, that you'll do something different. And here is the reason why doing what the big end of town does will not get you the results that you desire. For example, they dollar cost average, and you should not do that as it's detrimental to your portfolio. They buy parcels of shares over days, weeks or months, and you shouldn't do that. They do not set stop losses, as in reality, they can't move fast enough to enact them. 
as they'll move the market when they do. You should always use a stop loss as you can greatly benefit from doing so. They set to invest so as to have a balanced portfolio as they cannot move between the areas of the market fast enough so that they can, so what they do is they can constantly purchase shares and purchase them across sectors to spread the risk of moving the market. Now this is because they can't concentrate their portfolio as they would adversely affect stock prices. You should not do any of that as it means you get worse results in your portfolio. Now I think you're getting the idea that in order to get better returns for lower risk, it's not wise to listen to what the big end of town does, yet that's all we hear. Now you should also start to be understanding why brokers and other advisors are not necessarily the best place to get portfolio construction advice from. So let's now get into looking at the portfolio that was chosen. I think my guys have got it up for me. Now the one I'm doing is from Shabia, who wrote to me, thanks for giving me the opportunity to send my portfolio to be reviewed. I started my investment journey in August 2018, which is exactly 12 months, um, with an amount of less than $5,000. He goes on to say, I continue continuing to invest regularly each month, um, $1,750 to $2,000, which is not a lot of money, but it continues to build my portfolio. I'm in my early 30s and I've managed to build my portfolio up to $50,000 with monthly investing plus any dividend. After going through the weekly videos, I've started to understand the key concepts on investment around diversified portfolio stop loss and not to panic during market volatility. Example, when Donald Trump starts tweeting about the trade war and the market drops 100 to 200 points. Well done, matey. Um, so let's bring up the spreadsheet and get into uh, my take on um, his portfolio. But it is, is really interesting. There's a few things um, to talk about here in terms of his portfolio. Now, I had a little bit of trouble with it um, in terms of what I want, and this is not really giving me the full answers, like my spreadsheet um, is not, for some reason it's not giving me everything I need in here. So I'm gonna struggle a little bit with giving it to you tonight, but I'm gonna give you the overview of what it is. And next week I'll come back in and show you the actual spreadsheet that I did a lot of work on um, with him, because it really is important that we do get this right. Um, but those of you who also did send in your portfolio, I'm gonna try and give you a shoot your personal email over the week and just give you my thoughts on your portfolio as well, just as a thank you for sending those in. So thanks for subscribing to the channel. Um, and setting your portfolio in. Now, a few other things that I can mention here that, uh, that this person has done. is you can see here, we've got CSL, we've got NextDC, WebJet, ResMed, Bluescope, Macquarie, Lendlease, and Wally Parsons. These are all the things, uh, all exactly how he sent it to me. Now, I've added a whole lot of things in, in terms of the current share price, the weightings, and everything else. So if I go through here, there's a few things. There's 11 different stocks here, so that's fine. So in between our eight and 12 stocks is what we talk about. Uh, and so he's done a good job in terms of his uh, picking out and not going over diversified into lots of stocks. The areas I have issues with is here, is he's buying one, two, three, four positions in CSL. And you can see is August last year, November, December last year, February this year. And you can see here the buy price is decreasing. So he's been buying stocks as it's falling away in order to dollar cost average. And as you heard me just say, don't dollar cost average. Dollar cost averaging is what the industry do and it shouldn't be for what you do. It will actually uh, get you a worse return. Now CSL is a brilliant stock. I love this stock, but you don't buy it like that. And uh, you know, it, in terms of looking at that, his position sizing here is, is over what I recommend. Last week I did talk about 
eight to 12% uh, in terms of if you want 12 stocks in your portfolio, you have roughly 8% in each one. If you have want um, eight stocks in your portfolio, roughly put 12% into your portfolio. He's over diversified in terms of that is over that limit in that stock. Um, next, he's got NextDC. And again, you can see one, two, three stock, uh, three purchases of NextDC. And he's got one week apart, 9th of the August, 16th of August, and then 16th of October. So, uh, and here he's, he's buying again. He's bought it at 7.24 and down at 6.08 for the third. And again, he's trying to dollar cost average, but I'm not sure why you would buy the same stock two weeks in a row at around the same price. It's not really something I would suggest. You basically wait till you get your full position size. And that's the thing that I'd like to talk about. If you've got $10,000, and you want 10 stocks in your portfolio, you break it up into 10 $1,000 lots. That's what you do. And then you buy as it comes in. You don't drip feed into it and you don't dollar cost average. Uh, and then we go into Webjet. We've got one, two, three parcels of Webjet. And again, we've got 15th of August, 15th of January. And here's an issue here. I'm not sure what this is a mistake because the 15th of November 2019 hasn't come yet. Uh, I'm not sure what the date here, but whether that's, that's probably a typo. It might be the 15th um, of February or some other date uh, before now and then. But again, here we got here, Webjet was 1383, 14.08 was going up, then going down, down, and he's buying it again on the down. Again, dollar cost averaging. ResMed, beautiful, beautiful stock bought that uh, there. And again, his position sizing is all over the place and you can't see that on this spreadsheet. And as I said, I will show you it again next week. Um, and I'm gonna not go too much into this portfolio right now. But again, Bluescope still, nice stock. Another nice stock he's got in there, he's bought in there. Macquarie Group, he's bought two weeks. He's bought 16th of May and then 6th, 17th of June, one month apart. Uh, and bought it at a slightly higher price. Again, not sure why he done he's done that. And then lease another great stock here at um, the uh, on the 16th of July, the 30th of July, and the 15th of August this year. Again, looking at this, it's a bit all over the place why he's buying a Woolley Parsons. Um, he where he bought the first parcel, I, I agree the buy was quite good, but I don't necessarily agree with the second one from there. Now there's some stuff missing in this. There's a couple of stocks that are missing that he actually had in here because he had 11 stocks. And I can only see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and he had 11, so there's three missing. So I'm pretty sure I'm missing the part of the portfolio that I wanna look at. And those three stocks were more speculative. One was Bingo, I remember. Um, he bought three or four parcels of that. Uh, one, there's a couple of other speculative stocks, but uh, you'll be amazed. Uh, if When I tidy this up, what I'm gonna do next week is I actually tidy this portfolio up a little bit um, in terms of what he should be doing. And you, it's about a, three or $4,000 difference in profit just by tweaking a couple of little things that he's actually done. But uh, as I said, I won't get too much more into this at the moment. Let's get back to the stocks um, and we can have a bit of a chat about it. So, but um, uh, from that point of view, but I am really do apologize with the technical issue at this point in time, but um, it really, um, I can't go into it as much as I'd like to, but everything I talk about in regards to portfolio construction, what I've just mentioned then, is in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. So if you really are serious about being more successful in the stock market, then just get into the local bookstore and get online or get online and get your copy now. It's pretty easy um, and you'll get a hell of a lot of good um, rules and tools around how to buy and how to sell and how to make the best of your portfolio. Because when I show you this portfolio, that portfolio next week, um, over the 12 months, I think he's made $400 on the portfolio based on the figures that he's got. And just with a tiny little tweak that I put into it, and uh, you'll see what I mean, it's a nice balanced tweak. It's not 
I'm not trying to make it perform better. Um, I've just got rid of those spec stocks and then put the money from those into the other stocks and it changed his return by about $4,000. Hugely different. So, um, but if you purchase my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, I guarantee your portfolio will be much better for you doing it. So, but uh, I think I'll go and have a look at the chat forum and look at the stocks for you for this week. And so let's see what we've got here from that. Um, hopefully you keep posting away. As I said, I'm sorry that uh, we didn't really get to everything that we wanted to do. Um, Dave Murphy says, hi, Dale, has the Trump war cause the, the been the sole cause of volatility in the market just due to the fall on or just falling on its own merits? Um, can I, I'll say to you now, I, I, you probably heard me say a few times that the, the governments around the world are just the captain of the Titanic. We know the direction of the ship. They just make you a bit more comfortable. And so they tweak little things. You probably heard me say for months that I thought our market was going to go down into a low sometime in between sort of August and October. It's doing that. Regardless of whatever Trump's saying, and whatever our Prime Minister and our Treasurer says, completely irrelevant. And uh, I used an analogy yesterday, I believe, on our market report, on my Australian market report, in my US one, where I talk about a train. And you could be standing on a train platform. Now, if you're at the end of the line and the train pulls up, you absolutely 100% know the directions the other way. But if you're standing in on a, on a platform and the train track's going both ways, which way is the train going that's putting up? And that will depend on where you're standing on that platform, which side of the tracks you're actually on. And so when the train pulls up, you want to make sure it's going in the direction that you want it to go, not go the opposite way to what you want it to do. All the government does is speed up or slow down the train a little bit um, or cause a little bit more volatility. And that's what the news does. But the train will continue to go to its destination. It'll get to the end of the line. Then it's going to turn around and go back the other way. And it will continue on doing so regardless of what any government or any tweet will happen. And so really that's what I'm suggesting to you is don't worry about what Trump's doing or what everybody else is doing. The trade war will get sorted. Everything will be happy because everybody needs it to happen um, from that point of view. But um, let me go back to um, James's thing. And he says, uh, let's uh, love your book and videos. Thanks, James. We've just started building out our medium term growth portfolio with the following stocks, Sydney, REA, ALX, QUB or Cube Holdings and Land Lease. Thanks, Jamie and Rachel. So Jamie and Rachel, thanks for watching the show. Let's have a quick look at it. I'll just get rid of my spreadsheet there and bring up my chart and don't say that that's not really what i wanted to do so so what do we got here the first one is syd so let's have a quick look at syd now um i like the stock it looks bullish to me and looks really really good again always set stop losses on your stock i'm not sure what use what you're using to buy these stocks or whether you're taking recommendations from somebody or how you're picking them. Um, SYD hasn't shown me a buy signal at this point in time, but it does look good. Um, it looks like it's traveling up on a nice trend, so you should do well on this stock. So uh, good one, a good pick for that one. Um, REA Group, another great stock. So whatever you've done here to pick that one, that's really, really nice. And it is trading a little bit more vertical more lately, but nothing too much to worry about, but a good looking stock. But again, just watch it a little bit and keep a stop loss on that, but it does look all right at this point in time. I don't mind that one. And you are constructing a medium to longer term portfolio. I'd like to see some couple of bigger, bigger stocks in there. I'd like to see some of your, like your Cockleys, your CSLs, your Woolworths, your Wes Farmers, those sorts of things to really underpin it because we need to put a solid foundation down. Um, Atlas Arteria, again, another nice looking stock, a bit sideways through here the last couple of months, but Nothing too much to worry about. I think it's a nice steady trending stock. Shouldn't give you much um, 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 
restless nights, I suppose if that's a way of saying it. Um, all of these stocks so far are, got, are good stocks in terms of not being, they're volatile, but they're not too volatile that they're going to give you heart attacks or have you on a defibrillator um, from time to time. This one's a little bit more. This is Cube Holdings, which used to be Patrick's um, with Chris Corrigan. Um, looking really good. I do like this stock. Um, it's trending quite nicely, and I think you've done well on that so far. So well done, guys, um, Jamie and Rachel, and I'm glad you're both watching together, or at least hope you're both watching together, because that's really great that you are doing that. Um, let's keep moving on. Um, um, we've got a question from Billy. For somebody new at trading, do do you recommend where to start? Yeah, buy my book. That's pretty much the start, the first place you can look at to buy my book, get some knowledge, not about where any stocks you're buying. And too many people, when they get started, the first thing is to start buying stocks without knowing what to do. And the first thing, any time you should ever go into any new pursuit is first learn what to do, then go and do it. So please get my book. You'll learn some money manage rules. You'll learn some buy and sell rules. You'll learn some portfolio management rules um, and you'll keep look after yourself and it'll pay for itself hundreds and hundreds of times over. I guarantee that it will save you a shed load of time. It'll save you a shed load of worry and it'll make you a lot of money for 30 bucks. That's a pretty good. Uh, so just get in the bookstore and get it um, and then start asking the questions from there once you have a, a little bit of knowledge from that point. Point of view. Um, e Corso says, hi Dale, FPH, should I sell or hold or add and add more shares? I bought back in January 2018. So let's just bring up FPH, FPH, um, Fisher and Paykel. I think that's the one you're looking at. Yeah, Fisher and Paykel, great. Uh, make They make goods. Uh, now he's saying, should I sell or hold or add or add more shares. Don't add um, from that point of view. Right now, don't add. But if my question is, do you have a stop loss? You've been on this show that for uh, since the start, I think, from memory. You've probably been watching this show for five months now, and you keep talking me about stop losses. And my question is, have you got a stop loss on it? And has it triggered your stop loss? And if it hasn't triggered your stop loss, you hold. Simple. If it has triggered your stop loss, you exit. Simple. Don't add more. Don't do anything else. Just sell. Or hold that's all you've got to do that's the only choice you've got remember as a trader i can only do one of two things i can make a 50 50 decision if i'm in a stock i can hold or sell if i'm not in a stock i can buy or not buy that's it um, and so it really is about having the rules if it breaks it breaks if it triggers my rules to buy i buy if it triggers my rules to sell i sell keep it that simple but right now it's had a few days down a few weeks down it's looking tiny a little bit bearish but it looks all right over here on the right-hand side. Oh, sorry, on the left-hand side, it looks quite bullish. So uh, you need to decide what you're doing and what rules you're having. Uh, let me go down Danu Tendolka. I haven't heard you before, matey. So uh, hope, thank you for uh, being on our show. Thank you so much, Dale. This is very helpful for beginners like me. Could you have, please, review DDR? So I'm glad you're enjoying it. So let's bring up DDR and have a good look at this. Um, I'm really disappointed I couldn't look at that portfolio properly for you guys. It's, I had some awesome stuff for you. So now you're going to have to come back next Tuesday and watch. Um, DDR, Dicker Data Limited. Mm, not sure you should be trading this if you're a sort of a beginner um, for a beginner like you. It is bullish at the moment, but let me have a good look at the volume on this sort of stuff. 758,000. It's on the lower end of volume, but it's, it's bullish at this point in time, but it's not really... It's not highly liquid. You can see sort of here, it doesn't really look highly liquid. So whilst there's a 
fair amount of shares. You got 256,000 shares at 645. So as a beginner, I wouldn't be holding this. This worries me a little bit, although it is holding up nicely right here. It did try and push down, came right back, but uh, this worries me a little bit here. So again, stick with the top 50 stocks if you're a beginner, mate, but glad you're getting a lot of um, good information and good re um, um, education out of this show. And while I'm on that, it, 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 it surprises me how many people think they can watch this show and that they think they can trade full time just from watching a YouTube channel for free. Um, and I do get people you know, sending in emails and, and chatting with me thinking, well, hey, you're teaching me how to be a trader here. No, I'm not. I'm really, this is really, really high level. I'm not teaching you a lot of technique at all. Um, I'm keeping this, the show very, very simple. Um, and a lot of people saying, well, I'll just follow what you do on the show and I'll trade full time for that and make a living. And if you think that, then I think we need to have a bit of a chat. Uh, because it's it's I'm not teaching you a lot of technique here. I'm giving a lot of strategy around different things and my experience about how the market works. But I'm not talking about a lot of buy and sell rules. Or I'm actually not talking about any buy and sell rules. I'm talking about stop losses and money management and risk. Um, and so it really surprises me that people think that by watching a YouTube video that somehow magically it will turn you into a full-time trader. YouTube will never do that. Um, you need to earn the right to be a great trader and earning the right means you need to get the right knowledge and you need to put the time and effort into researching that knowledge and put applying it onto charts and also and paper trading and build your skill and your knowledge up so that you can trade. If you're reliant on somebody to give you your tips, then you're not a trader in my view. You're actually somebody who is codependent um, and you're relying on other people to help you. And if you're relying on them to help you, then there's one day it's gonna bite you in the backside and you're gonna lose a lot of money because really trust yourself. And in trusting yourself means you need to know what to do. Let's keep going on. I've got um, um, Pink Taco 97. I've just picked you because I like the name, Pink Taco 97. Um, hi Dale, can you please take a look at Telstra? I bought this stock when it was $2.60 back in 2018. Pretty good time to buy it, matey. That's a really good time to buy Telstra. Let me have a look at it. I wanted to look at Telstra anyway because I do like this stock, um, uh, which is some people who've known me for the last 20 years would say, Dale, Dale rarely says I like Telstra. And I didn't like it for many, 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 many years. Um, but right now Telstra's on its way down. But you can see, here's the long-term history of Telstra. And uh, and uh, um, Pink Taco said they bought it around 260 back down on here. So that's pretty good time to buy it at this point in time. And you can see here, it's risen quite strongly since then. And if I put my little tool on it from that low to currently there's 42% and I was up 51%. So good move, and I do like it, and I think Telstra is more medium to longer term bullish from this point in, in view. Um, but I do like the stock. I think it's going to, it's a, bit, a little bit bearish at this point in time. I think we're going to see a little bit more downside. It did release a report with a bit of bad news on it, and they thought they were going to get some headwinds. But those sorts of things don't bother me with big companies like that, because sometimes you'll get the directors and the board come out and tell you some more negative stuff so that the price will fall away a little bit. But right now it's looking okay, and so I'd stay with it. So good stock, good pick. Um, then we've got um, Riley Pearson. Hi Dale, what do you think Wally, uh, sorry, Woodside Petroleum is going to find support shortly and make a reverse? 
Um, same question on RIA, I'm still holding for dividend. I'm not sure why you're holding anything for a dividend unless it's within a week or two of you pay, of paying a dividend or it's going over 12 months. I'm not really sure from a capital gains tax point of view. You don't hold stocks for dividends unless they're paying it. And I think most of the stocks won't be paying dividends till a month or so away. So you could be losing more than the dividend by holding um, from that point of view. So I don't think that's necessarily a great um, thing to do. But let's have a look at Woodside. Woodside's a, an interesting stock at the moment. It's been really bearish, but it's been bullish as well at the time. And I've been thinking it was going to find some support too. So let me put Woodside into that. And what was the other one there? Um, Rio. Rio and BHP are both falling away. Let me bring up BHP as well. Um, and But I do like them more medium to longer term. But at the moment, I think we should be staying out of all of these stocks at this point in time. So let's just go to Woodside. And you can see Woodside falling away over the last so many weeks here since June. It's fallen reasonably heavy. It hasn't fallen below that so far this week. So as long as it finds support above that, I think I'd still be happy with it. And it's possibly likely to start moving back up here. But there's some resistance around this sort of $37, $38 mark. But if you look at Woodside, and we use our cool little trend line tool, and you can just go across here, and look, it's all it's just done, come back to that momentum. So this is why it could be finding some support right now and moving up. But uh, that said, if it starts to fall below that low 29.33, then it's all over Red Rover, and it'll come down to sort of this $25 level. So just sit back, don't buy it now, uh, keep right out of it at this point in time. Remember, we trade on confirmation, not speculation. So let's have a quick look at Rio. Rio's fallen quite heavily over the last few weeks. So we've got May, um, it was 107.99. It was a little bit less there. It's fallen quite heavily. And that's what I was saying, both BHP and Rio have fallen reasonably heavy. And this is what I like about these stocks. There's 23% down to there. So I'll be waiting for them to find some support. But again, if I use my little trend line tool and we just draw it across here, you can see what it's doing. It's just falling back to that angle that I keep talking about. BHP, very similar looking here. High in July 42, and it's right down here. Let's put our little tool on it, and we go here. It's down around about, no, it's just under 19%. But look on the right, left-hand side, and you can see it's coming right back to this. And this is why people who look at daily charts and look at the news never really see the bigger picture here. Um, this looks brilliant to me. Now, it's falling away. Would I buy it now? No, I'm not going to buy BHP. I ain't going to buy Rio. And I ain't going to buy Woodside at this point in time. I want them to find some support and tell me that they're strong and start to move up from there. Because unless you wait for confirmation, then you're a speculator. And a speculator is just another word for a gambler. Whereas good traders wait for things to happen and then they make their decision. Bad traders make decisions and then decide, well, then we'll find out what actually is happening. So to me, it's about cause and effect. What's happening on the market, then I make a decision based on what's happening on the market. I don't guess at what I'm buying and I don't guess at what I'm selling. Um, I know what I'm doing and um, quite most of the time, you know, you guys know Janine's away and I'm managing all the portfolios and half of the time I'm not even turning my, my Optima on like you're seeing here. I'm not even turning that on until the afternoon. I'm not too stressed about it because I have my rules around the stocks and I know what they're doing. I know what they're likely to do and I know where my exit strategies are and I know where the entry strategies are and everything's nice and calm. And, and I think that's really the difference between good traders and, and speculators is the traders know what's going on, the speculators guess all the time. So let me get into another couple of stocks just before we finish here. Um, I'll just pick one. Um, Zane saying, I reckon A&P will rise, but don't tie up your capital. I think you're dreaming um, at this point in time. Um, you know, ben was talking about... AMP, yes, it did go down with the Titanic. 
Um, Ben's saying, hi Dale, keeping on topic with reporting, how do you protect yourself from the market? Bringing down a price to possibly activate stop losses, then the stock rebounds next day. Gin is an example. Yep, that's trading, mate. Simple. You got a stop loss for a reason, it's stopping loss. Um, from that and you have your trailing stop loss to protect your profits, that's just trading. Sometimes you're gonna get stopped out and the stock will rise up. Don't worry about it, that's again, just trading. Next, move on. Um, I'll have a quick look at Jing for you uh, and we're gonna have a bring that up, but it will happen occasionally. It won't happen all the time, but Jumbo is much more of a little bit more of a speculative stock, but look at it, it looks great right now at the moment. It's gone vertical, um, but it is a good looking stock at this point in time, but I wouldn't worry about it, simple. That's why we have our rules. Um, let's have a quick, let's one more here for tonight. Um, here we go. Um, Steve Otz is saying, if it's broken the trend line two weeks, but not the stop loss, do you take the trend line exit or wait for the stop loss? Always go for your trend line. First exit signal you take. Don't wait for a second one, um, Steve. So do that. Um, Craig Jurd, hi Dale, just read your book. Great advice and I highly recommend it. I wonder what your thoughts of doing the stop loss via a spreadsheet, given some brokers charge for this. Love the trailing stop loss. I just, I don't do any stop losses with a broker's website. I don't put them on their website. I just have it on my charts or on a spreadsheet, that's fine. And if it triggers, you buy, you sell, sorry. Um, but quite often your stop loss could be a close on any day below a level or a point, or two closes below a trend line like the, the, the person just mentioned or just mentioned on the chat there. So once the close happens of that week, you just sell on the next Monday. So you don't need to set automatic stop losses on your brokers. Because what you're doing is telling them where to take you out, um, pretty much, and uh, that's what they do. And don't think brokers are always there to help you make a lot of money. It's, um, it's one of those things that, especially a lot of these systems and these platforms that they have, especially market makers and that, there's a little bit of fuzziness in there if, that, if you can read between the lines. Um, so never put your stop losses in with the broker, unless you're going away for the day or for the week and you can't watch it or manage it. But I always just wait for the trigger and then get out. And um, some people were sitting there going, well, what if it gaps through your price? That's trading doesn't happen very often and uh, I don't get it wrong very, very often. But again, thanks very much everybody for um, really giving me some great questions during the show. And again, I'm really disappointed I can't, couldn't really look at that portfolio for you properly, but I will promise you I will get it right for next week um, and do that. And for those of you who did send us uh, your stocks in or your portfolio in, I'm going to have a look at those. And um, as I said, hopefully over the next few days to a week, I'll actually send you a personal email just to say thank you and, and give you some thoughts on your portfolio. But, um, but we hope you have enjoyed tonight's show and thanks for participating. It, it's been really wonderful trying to help you and support you and educate you. But if you'd like to see the show grow, then remember to share it with your social media, uh, with your friends and colleagues. Tell them the more people we get on the show, the more I can help more people. And it was interesting today, I got an email from somebody and said, you know, they were totally scared of the market, not wanting to trade. Um, and they've you know, sort of see me on the show here, given them the confidence they bought the book, they've read my book, and it's totally changed their idea on the market and they're getting into it. And that's 100% why I'm doing this show because I really do want to empower you to get better results. Some of you, yes, will become clients of ours. That's fantastic. And if that's with you, then I'd love to have you on board and help you and teach you how to be a great kick-ass trader. But uh, if you just want to be a good investor, keep watching, but read my book. Um, also, make sure you put the show onto the calendar next week. So you're back online next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Remember, 
Send it out to your Twitter. Tell everybody about it. But if you can't be with us live next week, you're always or we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them through to info at wealthwithin.com.au. If you want me to answer a question for you next week, shove it in there. Remember the subject line, type in Wealth Within Lives at info at wealthwithin.com.au. But that really does bring us to the end of the show. And we really hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I have in bringing it to you. Uh, and as I said, it was going to be a crackerjack of a show. Um, but next week, it's going to be an even more crackerjack of show because I'll be able to really bring that portfolio up for you. But as always, thank you for taking part. And we'll see you again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. But for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Well podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Well podcast under the Learning Centre.